private announcements for us only. <laughs> Amen. It is so good to have you guys here. So great. And we, yeah, our congregation claps to you. <laughs> but honestly, like, what a blessing. And I, I've been thinking all weekend what a blessing family is and the healthy family where you see us in need and you come, you send this big group to come and just serve, 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 serve. And I've been, yeah, I've been brought to tears many times planning up like the week planning up to this. And then while here just in my times with Tim, I'm like, God, you're so good. And like Logan prayed, it's all about him. Like we're doing this as unto him, but it's so cool to see that like his heart coming through each of you. Um, does he have anything you want to share before we get into the word? If not, it's fine. But if you had something on your heart. Okay, cool. Well, we'll preach and then we'll get in the word. So I had a word today. Otherwise, I would have had one of you guys preach. But we're kind of in a, a season here. And I felt like really strongly to keep going with, with where we're going. Um, and I might cry through this whole thing because I've been really been God's breaking me big time and they know that like every last week too like it's almost like Wesley's confessional on Sunday mornings <laughs> um <laughs> and I'm like encouraging them to confess as well as God like Renee did you know that that that's the type of vulnerability that we're going for as a community is this place of where we're like highlighting our weaknesses and saying oh God's breaking us but it's so good and it's showing that he is so faithful and merciful mm -hmm. towards us but God called us into a 21-day fast where we can today, sorry, last Sunday. Um, and we've been talking about obtaining the promised land because there was a word that Renee gave a few weeks back now, maybe a month ago, where God really gave her insight into this last season where everyone was being, there was people leaving and all this stuff. And he gave her such clarity. Um, and it was so cool. She was sharing it with me, and I said, you got to just prophesy that release it on Sunday to us as a group and um, about Israel and in the desert and then coming into the promised land and I'd been reading in Joshua and we're going to continue in this this is the uh, oh I didn't get my page open consecrate yourselves through prayer and fasting and we've been talking about prayer and fasting because that's something we're engaging in together as a community but also consecration in Joshua chapter 1, what does God say? He says, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, it's a heavy, weighty thing. Moses had led that entire nation out of Egypt, out of their captivity, through the wilderness for 40 years. He was a counselor to them. He was a leader to them. Remember, he was so overwhelmed with counseling that his father-in-law came and said, Moses, you're doing this all wrong. You got to set people to counsel and judge the people because it's too much for you. This shows the type of man that he was. He cared deeply about this people that he was spending all of his time sharing, judging between disputes, counseling. I mean, and, and they were all complaining, complained against him many times. And yet he stayed. He interceded for them. This man was not just like, oh, Moses is dead, moved to the promised land. They were grieving over the loss of this leader, over the loss of a leader that they thought should have entered into the promised land with them. 
And that's an intense thing. That's hard to understand the ways of God to say Moses is going to die. I'll let you see it from afar, but you're, he's going to die before he even enters in. Right? And so he says, Joshua, it's time. So Joshua gets up, recognizing the season. And this sh also shows that Joshua is not moved by his emotions. He's moved by the voice and the word of the Lord. And he always had been. When he followed Moses everywhere, Moses would leave the tent of meeting and Joshua would stay behind because he was so hungry. He tarried. He wanted more and more and more. So he was someone whose heart was uh, intent on having God's presence, seeking God's word. So as much as the morning was there and he grieved his father, spiritual father, he said, oh, God is saying it's time. We're moving in now. So what does he do? He gets up. He goes throughout Israel and says, consecrate yourselves. And what did this mean? We talked about this. Circumcision. None of the Israelites had been circumcised in the wilderness, the new generation that had come up. So they all had the cutting of the flesh. Now, we know in the New Testament what circumcision meant to recognize for us, represent, was this the cutting of our, the flesh of our heart. Right? It's, a, it's that cutting of the flesh off. That's what it was meant to be, that we are consecrated people unto God where our flesh is being cut off. And what happened? They needed a time of healing, three days, before they could go into the promised land. So recognizing that this cutting of the flesh, which is the season that we believe in, and that we're in, and prayer and fasting, humbling ourselves before the Lord and saying, God, show us. Show us any place in us that's not pleasing to you. Show us where we need to cut the flesh, where we need to curb the flesh. Show us where we've been proud and arrogant. Last week we talked about pride and humility. Because the humble heart, God gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. And I was sharing last week about my issues with pride and when I've started this fast, again, I'm saying, God, you know, show, show me what's in me. Ugh. It's like when you start to say that, you get disgusted by your own self and the pride inside. And here I am reading the, these pride and humble points that I had thought up of, and each one is cutting me to the core as it had been the whole week. I am so arrogant, and God opposes that place of pride in my heart. And it, it grieves me now because we can be so deceived by it. You know, we go and go and go and can get dulled. Our, our spiritual senses can be dulled by the things around us. We get distracted by our day-to-day -day stuff. And that's why prayer and fasting is such a key. You know, it's not that we always had just, but these specific times that we set aside to fast. Maybe it's not food. We said TV or whatever takes your time. The whole purpose is, are we setting aside more time Usually food takes up the most of our time, cooking, eating, and then whatever else, buying the food, whatever. So th in the place of eating, you would go and you'd pray instead. You take the time. If you watch a television, if you're on the computer, if you're on your phone, fast what takes the most time and take that time to seek God for yourself. And it's not, it's not saying like, oh, I'm bribing God with my fasting. We can't bribe God. That's not even what it's about. Fasting is for our benefit, that we would come more into his likeness, that our hearts would be pierced with truth and any dull place would be exposed in us again. 
And that's truly what we desire. That's truly what I desire. I want to be cut to the core so that, you know, and that's a painful place. We need some healing. And then we're ready to go war. Because when they went into the promised land with Joshua, they were warring. They weren't just like walking in and all of a sudden it was theirs. They were going into a battle to obtain it. God had given it to them, but what that meant was victory. It meant you fight, you get the victory. They still had a part to play. But if they hadn't been consecrated unto him, if they hadn't been prepared for that, they may have fallen into the same things that the past generation had fallen into. Lack of faith, doubt, unbelief. Hebrews 4 says that the, the, the generation before them did not enter rest because of doubt and unbelief. They did not believe God. And so these are the places where we're, we're humbling ourselves before God. We're setting aside these three weeks to seek God's face, spend extra time, and take, I'm, I'm like wanting to encourage, I felt this whole week, take advantage of the time. Because three weeks, though it can seem long, it passes by an instant. Though the, the hunger pains may be like, I want to quit today, I, I can tell you this past week was hellish for me in the fast. And I even reached out, like physically, I was lethargic. Tommy knows <laughs> more than anyone. And I was just, bad. it was bad. And I even reached out to Josiah and said, Josiah, what, you know, what's going on with my body? I've never felt this before. And he's like, it's normal, spiritual warfare. You know, this is part of it. This is part of what it looks like. And I was like, oh, you're right. I wanted him to say, oh, you need to break and start eating. <laughs> I literally was like underlying, hoping that he would say something like that. Yeah, yeah, oh, thank you. Good loving husband. But encouraging you when God shows you something, act immediately. L like Renee, she heard God say something to convict her. She confessed it to me, making her accountable in a sense. She confessed it out loud and then said, here, I'm giving. She acted. These are, if we don't do that, if we hear God and we don't respond to him, we just say, oh, that's a good word, we'll become dull in our hearts to the voice of the Lord. And we'll never change. The point of him speaking is so that we would have transformation immediately. You got to do it quick. Because <laughs> if you don't, then it just time passes and you forget what he said or you make excuses for what was said and say, oh, I don't really need to do that. Act immediately, repent, respond, and then make a plan to change if it has to be that thought out. For me, that's been uh, part of the process. I've been reading this book as part of um, my fast, the Jesus Fast. It's an excellent book. I haven't been reading straight through. I've just been opening up and saying, God, speak to me, because, uh, yeah, yeah, and it's very interesting, because I was having a very hard time, and I opened up, and I said, God, you got to speak to me something about this fast, because I'm about to give up, and I'm not even a week in, and he said, this, I want to read a couple of quotes from here, I believe the generation of the final Jesus movement will take the land in extraordinary ways. And he's talking about the promised land in comparison. Partially, this is because Jesus broke the 40 wide open so that it is no longer a cursed wilderness, but a conquering wilderness. 
no longer wandering without faith, but advancing toward completion. We enter and participate in the victory when we follow him into the 40. Now, I had been studying about fasting some this week, too, and thinking about Jesus in the wilderness, right? Well, I don't know if it was because I was fasting that my mind was clouded. <laughs> I didn't really connect the dots. But the 40 years in the wilderness and then 40 days Jesus took in the wilderness to fast, he was changing what wilderness meant. What the wilderness was before for Israel was a discipline for their disobedience, for their lack of faith. And he spent 40 days there conquering every day with faith, belief, trust in his God. And what happened at the end of the 40 days, he became hungry, and then there was tempting that happened, the temptations that came. We're going to be confronted in these times of, you know, temptation, like for me, was to stop, to just give it up, to not move on anymore. Um, there might be other temptations, like I don't want to look at that. I don't want to see that darkness in me. Oh, that can't be true. I want to dull myself so I don't feel so cut by the spirit, so I'm going to watch some more TV. I'm going to get on my phone more, whatever it is that we do to dull ourselves um, so that we don't feel the cut of the spirit. There's going to be the temptation. But what, what happens was God, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the spirit, and we all know what happened. He came out of the wilderness in the power of the spirit, the power of the spirit. Before he went in, he was not in the power of the spirit. It took 40 days in the wilderness, Jesus as a man. Jesus was fully man. Sometimes we forget that and think he had some supernatural power that we have no access to. We have all access to anything that Jesus had access to, which is the Father, which is the Spirit. He came out in the power of the Spirit to be able to do everything he was called to do, to take the land. And that's what God has been calling us to do. We're, we're going into this wilderness, this place of exposure where all the junk is coming up. It's in the wilderness, right, that all the junk comes up. It's exposed. And then, but what comes out of it? We come out in the power of the Spirit so we can obtain the promised land. We must go through this season in order to come into the next, and it's transitional. We have to pursue this place of humility. Otherwise, uh, Logan's prayer was so stirred me so much because it's so on point with what I was feeling today of this like, we have to go lower. We have to go lower. Unless if we do not, we will enter into the promised land thinking we gained it in our own strength. Even with the cutting that's happened here, even with what's, you know, the people that have left and all that stuff, and it can feel like loss. But then if we don't have our eyes constantly fixed on Jesus, that he is our strength, we will come into the promised land and say, by our own strength, we got here. Look how awesome we are. Oh, the five faithful or whatever it is. Like, we did it. We did it. No, we did not. We did nothing except stay. We, we were dependent on his grace. Even us here today is a sh uh, showing forth of his grace, of his strength, of his desire for this community. It's a showing forth of who he is, not who we are. Who he is in us. 
That's why all the glory should be given to him for that place. I want to read another quote. Furthermore, the Jesus fast was not just a rigorous diet plus some tough temptations. It was a chosen encounter. The Spirit wanted this. He wants it for you too. This fact delivers us from a formula, formula and ritualistic approach to extended fasting into the confidence of God's deep desire for us. Basically, you know, I know, like, when you cut certain foods, sometimes you're like, oh, I'm losing weight at the same time. I don't know why in America that's, like, our, our goal in fasting. What we has to be our focus is that it's a chosen encounter. A chosen encounter. That's what fasting is. We're choosing to set aside time to encounter him. And it then becomes something else. It says he desires us fully. He's jealous for us. He's jealous for our time. He's jealous for our affections. And then that changes the whole view of it. It's not me just denying food or just denying TV or just denying whatever it is. It's me recognizing he has such jealousy for me. Oh, it draws me in to want to want him more. God's desire is for me. Oh, Renee had an experience with that. God spoke to her something, and she burst into tears while you were getting coffee. Is that not how it is? When God speaks a little simple wor word to us, and all of a sudden we're melted to the core, and we're saying, oh, I just want more of that. I'll give up my coffee. I'll give up my breakfast because I will oh, speak to me more. Your voice is so sweet. Speak to me. But sometimes we get dulled because of how much we feed ourselves with other things. And really it's just cutting off the feeding, whatever's feeding us, feeding our emotions. Uh, this is funny. Does it take grace to eat food or watch TV? <laughs> Not really. On the other hand, grace is absolutely needed for restraint in prayer. Absolutely true. Wh why? You're humbling yourself to restrain, to have self-discipline, to exercise self-control, whether this is just cutting off certain foods. That takes self-control. Marie was just saying she was out with family, and she had to restrain. <laughs> you know, everybody else is eating all this food, and she didn't know it was going to be like that, and she had to restrain. It takes the grace of God to do that. It doesn't necessarily take much grace to plop down and watch TV or eat a big meal. Right? I think that's funny. Maybe you don't. <laughs> the key then is not in the willpower, but in the pleasure of the product as our heart opens further to his spirit. Uh, I'm going to read that one more time. The key then is not the willpower, but in the pleasure of the product as our heart opens further to the spirit. When I close myself off from the grace necessary to fast and pray, I reduce some of my bandwidth for experiencing God. And it's so true. I read a, a kind of sad journal entry of mine from years back. And I said, in it I wrote, I just feel so weird because I'm so extreme and 
like uh, people in the in church they just think that I'm like crazy and weird and because of whatever things I was doing I said the only way I know to fix this is to dull myself down by watching more TV or spending time on the computer which sickens me but I feel I must do it so I become more a normal person isn't that sad I literally journaled that and remembered a time where I was so broken because I was so like weird and out there and I felt rejected by people that I felt I needed to dull myself down so that I could have relationship with people. And how do I dull myself down? I wrote by watching TV and being on the computer because I know that dulls my spirit. It takes away from my time of encounter with God. Now, we want to be relational with people. We're not saying, like, I was a little wacky, and maybe I did need to become more relational, like, able to have relationship and normal. But I shouldn't have resorted to TV watching or computer to try to dull my spirit down so that I could be normal. You know, that, that makes zero sense. But I was very, you know, immature at the time. That's not what we're looking for. We want to be sharp in the spirit where we're sensing the spirit, what his leading is, where his conviction is, God changing us. I mean, when was the last time that you felt the strong, sharp conviction of God in your life for something to change? When you haven't been feeling that, when weeks and weeks and weeks go by and you haven't been even noticing anything, something's wrong. We've been dulled. Because we, we have so much that he wants to change to make us more like Jesus. He's not going to overwhelm us, but he'll take it little by little and show us. And unless we're spending time, unless we're seeking his face, we're never going to see it. We're never going to sense it. We're too dull. This is a lot and really hard, hard uh, heavy. But I, I want to end with, um, and then if anyone has something to share, but I want to end with, another confession because I think this is a key part to what we're doing here as a community that we've got to expose our broken places expose the places in us where where we have been so yucky (laughs) and and allowed sin to crept in and this past week God has been convicting me strongly of unrighteous judgments and it I hate even saying what I'm about to say because it's like it's never fun to confess, and I'm bro- I'm like broken about it, so I I can cry, too. I might cry, but I've been reading James three and four, and James three is about the power of the tongue and how we with it we we destroy our brothers and sisters. And James three, I, mean, I encourage you to read the whole chapter on your own, because it talks about the the tongue as this wild thing that it's so hard for us to control verse 8 but no one can tame the tongue it is a restless evil and full of deadly poison with it we bless our lord and father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of god from the same mouth come both blessing and cursing my brethren these things ought not to be this way does a fountain send out the same opening both fresh and bitter water can a fig tree my brethren produce olives or vine produce fig no can salt water produce fresh how are we speaking with our mouths we're you know we just had this worship time we're glorifying God these are pure good words lifting him exalting him 
and then in the same moment we turn and we tear a brother or sister down. And um, in James 4, it goes on. I mean, James is so intense. What is this? This is verse 1. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasure that waged war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so you may spend it on your own pleasures. Pleasures. You adulteresses. He's talking to the church, okay? You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 10. So humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. 11, do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a, a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbor? I mean, even the first sentence, it strikes me every time. Do not speak against one another, brethren. Now, God's convicted me of this before, and, you know, you think you get some progress, and then he exposes a whole different level of everything. And this is what he did last week. On Monday night, we were here for 10 days of prayer. And we had worship going and we hosted that night. And it was a powerful night. It was really good. Then the next night, I believe it was the next night uh, or Wednesday night, Tommy and I went and uh, no, Tommy and I went to another church that was hosting it. And they had a girl on keys and a girl singing and they did great for what they had. And, you know, I'm thinking, wow, these guys are doing awesome for the small team that they have. But then someone comes up and says, wow, isn't it get isn't the worship getting better and better and more anointed with every night? And you know what my first thought was? No way our worship was better on Monday. Literally. And I didn't even I wasn't convicted of it at the time. I didn't think twice of it. I was just like, uh, no, we had better worship like it was awesome on Monday night. And this is does not compare. So. Thought passed through my head. We continued with the night. I come back and I'm praying through the week, and God brings it to my memory, and my heart breaks. I didn't even speak it out loud, but the fact that that seed of thought, that train of thought was in my mind, that I would so quickly judge like that, so arrogant, number one, so arrogant, but also against another brother and sister. Why could I not rejoice in the fact that they thought it was more anointed that night? What's my issue? Why can't I rejoice when another one's on it? What's my problem? What's our problem? Why can't we rejoice when another one is on it? We do the work here. This would be a different example. We do the work here. We go home, and Sean only highlights Brian. 
And so Brian just went and did this awesome work in, in Maine, and he brought a team. No one's mentioned. But Brian gets highlighted for whatever reason. Everyone claps, honors, and you're like, <laughs> I was there too. I worked harder than Brian did, and I did this, and I did that. That's the type of thing I'm talking about. We go right into our minds and we start to curse our brother instead of rejoicing with him, knowing that our reward comes from God alone. And who cares? Who the heck cares if we get any reward in the earth? But that's the place of pride and arrogance in us where we must humble ourselves before the Lord. And say, this is all about him anyway. Everything that was done here today is about him. If worship had truly been just about the glory of God, this is what broke me most. If it had truly just been about him, that thought wouldn't even pass my mind. There was something in me still that said it was about me and what I carried or how good I am at something. And that, before God, is disgusting. It's gross. It's sin. And this place of humility before him where we say, break us open, God. We do not want to have these words coming out of our mouths that are tearing down, but not even out of our mouths, in our minds. Because who would have known? No one would have known that I thought that way except for God. You could have all looked at me and said, Wesley, oh, yeah, she would never say anything bad about people because maybe I have gotten to the point where I control it coming out. But it's still in there. And that's even important because God sees that and it's still awful. It's still bad. Just because you keep it in doesn't mean it's okay. Maybe that's one level of achievement. You know, you used to be the one that just spit it out all the time. So you're like, okay, now I'm stopping spitting it out. That's a great step. Next step, cleanse your mind. Cleanse your heart. Let the love of God fill you so that we do not tear down. And this speaks to other churches in this region, in this community, where we would say if they have more members coming to them from this community, we would say yes and amen. People are getting saved. They're being brought into the family. Does it matter if it's here or there? No, we're one church. We're one body. Before Jesus Christ, we are one across the world, a global church functioning in local communities all over the place. So when one church community looks different than mine, I won't speak against them. I won't tear them down. Maybe God himself gave them the vision to function that way. It is not my place to be the judge of that in that way. That is unrighteous judgment. God alone is the judge of those places because it comes to the heart. God alone can judge the motives of a heart. God alone. We are called to make judgments, yes, between good and evil. To murder, to not to murder. You know, that's a pretty, like, blatant one. We make a judgment, obviously, do not murder. That's a righteous judgment. These judgments that we make against the motives or how people are doing things or because it looks different, we are tearing down our own body. That's unrighteous judgment. 
or maybe in your own community, like at the Crossing Wyndham, it's a bigger community. There's a lot more room for pointing the finger at a lot more people. That's what makes it harder when you grow. There's a lot more room for jealousy, for tearing down, for speaking against. You can have little gossip groups in your home. And this is not to say, like, oh, yeah, I'm thinking of so-and-so that needs to hear this. I'm thinking of so-and-so that needs to stop gossiping. No, this is for you. It's for me. It's for us right here now. Where are we speaking against one another that's tearing down? Where are we thinking it? Oh, I don't like so-and-so because they're like this, 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 and this. Okay, well, they're your brother. They reflect Jesus. They were made in his image. Speak what's good about them. Forgive them. The places of bitterness in us, we need to just forgive. We need to release forgiveness. Maybe many, 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 many times. Many times. There's, there's, I've had to forgive a certain person in my life for 18 years. More than that. Different levels of forgiveness, different things that happened that I had to keep forgiving for. It was a place of saying, I will not grow bitter. I am not going to speak against. God, show me my heart. Give me your love. Give me your grace. And then when we begin to see that transformation in us, when we're in a room and someone starts tearing down another, we won't just call them out and say, what do you think you're doing? You're tearing down someone else. That's not loving. You know, no one would like, <laughs> you wouldn't like that to be done to you. It would make you feel Maybe God, maybe God would use it, <laughs> but I, I'm sure God would use it. But the loving way is just like, no, I'm going to start speaking the opposite. I'm going to start speaking what's love. So then that life, that light that comes through my words right then is going to highlight without being so, you know, upfront. <laughs> Sometimes we need to be upfront, but s sometimes it's like this place of, no, I'm just going to do the opposite. Someone's tearing down, and I'm going to say, yeah, but did you see this? Well, I think that God is doing this through that person, and, oh, but I believe that God's at work. These are all truths, but we've got to have some people to be the forerunners, to be the first ones, to do it. Start in your marriage, in the conversations there. Start in your family. Those are the small group types. Start in your innermost circle of people that change your language. Obviously, first between you and God, then in these closest relationships around you where you, because why? Because you feel most comfortable to just talk freely. It's still disgusting before God. It's still sin before him. It's not all of a sudden made acceptable because you're in a small group. Now, I do want to say a, a little difference here, though, is when you need discernment about a situation, your heart motive truly is to say, I want to know what to do in this situation with this person acting this way, and you state the facts. That's totally different than you with judgment in your heart tearing someone down, and we each know for ourselves the difference. It's pretty easy to tell that difference. Because there's always, with the judgment, with the unrighteous judgment, there's always this inkling, like, I'm going to plant a seed in someone else's mind 
because I really don't like this person. Or I really think this is wrong, and I hope it's just bust out open wide. If you think something's wrong, pray about it. Talk to God about it. He's the one that loves unconditionally, and he will judge righteously. If you have a situation, I think we've become so prone to just going to each other instead of going to God and loosing these things that we're feeling before him. And if he sees the heart that needs to be changed and it truly does need to be changed, he'll do it. He'll make it happen. But we want to take it into our own hands and try to control and, and do it ourselves, right? That's how I am. Maybe I'm totally different than all of you. But this is the place of fasting and prayer. And, I mean, it's a good prayer. Prayer and fasting is a lifestyle even, you know, when you integrate it into your whole life, a day a week or whatever. But the point is taking this extra time, asking God, expose, search me. And I want to encourage even all of you guys that are here today, this is a place as a believer. We're just in a specific season because we're, we're looking at this goal of obtaining the promised land. But we're like hardcore saying, God, get rid of everything dark in us quick. <laughs> we want to obtain the promised land. We want to have everything you have for us. But as a just as a norm in Christianity, as a believer, we should be continually placing ourselves before God saying, search us, know us, sharpen my ear, sharpen my spirit. Did you have something you wanted to? You know, along with sharing earlier when we were worshiping the Lord just kind of put on my heart started putting on my heart the word plow me plow me and I just was thinking about what we all do when when we are starts doing stuff you know when you were sharing about Moses you think about everything he did for 40 years he was really just plowing he never reached the promise he never got to go into the promised land so imagine, and he knew that too. I believe God spoke that to him. You're not going. Imagine that. All It's like I've counseled these idiots for all these years. I've suffered. I've sat in front of you, and, you know, you almost, God almost killed him, struck him dead. And, you know, it's like, and I don't get to go into the promised land. I'm going to die over here. You know, and, and what we all do, and, you know, you know, I speak just to the, the two that came up this weekend and, and you all five here that, you know, you start thinking, okay, you know, you said something about recognizing me, for instance, by trying something. It's like, and, you know, it's not recognition. It's not like you said, you know, sitting there later on when this place is booming saying, look what we did. It's not. I mean, it's what God gives us something to do. God always says, you know, consider the needs of others more important than ourselves. You know, and, and lay down ourselves and just say, what do I do? What can I do? And to see you all rise up this weekend is just incredible you know to say i'm going to go away for a weekend i'm going to travel 170 miles away leaving our families in some cases leaving what we do you know giving up work or whatever it might be and saying okay i'm going to do whatever i need to do is amazing and we're seeing that more back home at the church and uh you know to be able to come up here i know that there's more god's got in store for people come up here but you know this word plow man and I believe this is for everybody. And it's in Amos. Um, 
Amos 9.13, and it's talking about the plowman. And, you know, the plowman's job is dirt. You're going out there digging up the soil. I mean, that's the hardest part, when you think about it, of reaping. Plowing and digging up sometimes rock-hard soil that that's never been cultivated. You know, the sower, yeah, they come in and they sow the seed. Okay, that everything's tilled up. And, of course, the reaper, they just come in and pick all the fruit and look at look at all this, you know, you know, like you said, look at what we did. No, I mean, look who sowed into it. Look who dug it and everything. The one who comes out with a basket of fruit and everybody looks at him and says, that's where you get to stay humble because there are times when people get recognized. You know, when we do big things back home or even here, you guys recognizing us for what we did, it's like, well, thank you. You know, I mean, we're grateful we can do it. And thank you. You you know, Logan's one all the time saying, it's God. It's God. It's not me. It's not me. And God's given us that talent. God's given us that ability. And I believe all of us are very humble. Nobody's sitting there saying, yeah, we're doing a great deal. You know. But you did, you did the diligent work of digging and, and digging and, and hard ground. And Mike, you guys down in the trench yesterday, you know, down there literally trying to seal that foundation, which you kept saying, this is crazy. It's not fixing. You guys kept trying other things. You know, you guys in that back room there, you know, things dripping out of the ceiling and <laughs> stuff like that, you know. I mean, everybody, you know, Logan and Logan and Jeff last night and the light, you know, with the light shining last night at 9 o'clock, whatever, cutting away, you know, you girls downstairs cleaning up and everything like that. It's amazing. So, you know, in Amos, God's speaking to the plowman. He said, and this is for all of you all. So, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes. Him who sows the seed, the mountain shall drip sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them at Seir. They shall plant vineyards, new gardens, and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them on their land, and they shall never again be uprooted. Out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord. So, times we're doing stuff, we're going to, you know, God's got the reward in heaven. Don't always be looking, I think we are pretty humble about that. I mean, we're not all about here. You know, what we're doing, we're plowing for possibly other people to reap. And we'll continue on. It's in our families, it's in our co workers. I mean, think about when you're plowing at work. And that, that can be plowing. You're working with non-believers. You're frustrated. You're working in communities. You're in, in societies. And you're thinking, man, this is hard stuff. How can I do it? And sometimes you just want to kind of shrink back and say, you know what? I'm just going to keep Jesus doing this. Or, or like you said, sometimes I'm going to try to almost like you said, I'm going to conform to the world because I feel like people think I'm weird. Don't, don't do that. Stay strong and plow. Continue to plow. I mean, we're not, I mean, yeah, we're a peculiar people, but I mean, there's something in all of us in relationships and stuff like that when they see how we live and, and you know what, also it's how we speak and the power of the tongue. What do we say when we're out and about in public? What are our words conveying to people? And are we building people up or are we kind of going along with the, the slander and the, the backbite and stuff like that or complaining? So it's hard work, yeah, but we're plowing. But God's word is, is true, and we're going to see the fruit. We're going to see it all you know, coming in, so don't give up.
I just wanted to officially thank everyone from Crossing CLC or yeah, Crossing Carmel. Um, we really, you guys are an answer to prayer. Um, and uh, continue to help all summer. So um, I'm just thankful to God for how he used all of you guys. And um, yeah, we're just thankful and um, excited to work here and um, yeah so uh, yeah officially thank you guys so much for coming out I know it's a stretch and um, it's pretty brutal sometimes I know from the 75 weddings that have happened this summer driving back and forth is like oh man another one <laughs> what so uh, yeah so we, we are very thankful and um, yeah I, I, I'm just gonna close in prayer and um, thanks will be over and um, I just think I'm going to go first. Um, so Father, thank you so much uh, for this weekend, for all that has gotten done and how you used every single one um, specifically that came up this weekend, Lord, it was um, that they were all chosen by your hand to come up um, and just get specific jobs done. I, I don't consider it an accident that this specific crew came up, Lord. I thank you for each and every one of them, for the sacrifice they made uh, this weekend, for um, all the the financial spend on gas and um, and supplies and, and just time, Lord. I pray that you would give them a reward, each and every one of them, according to their works and their sacrifice this weekend. God, we thank you um, for that. But and most importantly, thank you for their obedience, Lord, to to your call to come and, and lay down their lives, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. I pray that their, their travel today back would be safe and, and smooth. Everyone would be alert and uh, aware. And um, I even pray that you would uh, show Mike a moose at some point. <laughs> Answer his prayer, Lord. Yeah, not in front of the car, off to the side would be good, but... Uh, yeah, so Lord, we, we just thank you for that. And I, that is just my heart, is that you would reward them and just give them the desires of their heart for how much they've sowed in you. We truly appreciate it, and we thank you, God, above all for um, you're the one that does everything, Lord. It's not anything we're doing here, Lord. It's for you, your glory, your kingdom, and to see souls saved and brought into your family. So we thank you, Lord, and I pray that uh, you would just, I'm going to do the food blessing now. Why not? Bless the food, Lord. Thank you for providing it. Thank you for the ladies uh, that prepared it, Sherry and Marie, Lord. Um, yeah, I pray that they're having a blast today, uh, whatever they're doing. And um, thank you so much for how much they sewed in. And every everyone else that wasn't even up here but somehow played some part in uh, the produce run. So we thank you for and bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. 